Deezer Originals. This is Defending in Numbers. Hello, hello, hello. Happy New Year and welcome to Defending in Numbers, the podcast where we walk down the corridor of uncertainty, pretending to know a little bit more about football than we actually do. My name is Rob Armstrong and I know nothing about football. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. But I tell you, a man who does, a man on my right and... Just in both of your ears, it's Nick English making his debut on the show. How are you, Nick? I'm very, very well. Rob, how are you? I'm, I'm splendid. I'm about, uh, I'd say I'm roughly nine pounds heavier than I was on the last show. Nine pounds? Yeah. What's that in kilo? I went metric years ago, Oh, which is making me nervous with you're Brexit. You're so trendy. Yeah, <laughs> it does have a Dutch wife. Uh, kilo, I don't know. What's that, two kilos? It's about a stone, isn't it? It's about a stone. Like no, stone 14 13 pounds. pounds. Four, yeah, 14. There oh, you go. I'm just thinking I'd put on a stone over Christmas, so therefore, <laughs> so good Bringing the imperial metric debate into the 21st century, <laughs> defending in numbers. That's what it's all about. Nothing to do with football. And on the right of Nick, who's on my right, right and then that means right. he's on my left because we yeah. sit in a triangle. Yeah. God. Defending in shapes. It's, it's the big dog in the yard. Adam Boltwood. How are you, Adam? Very good. It's a pleasure to be back, Rob. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks. Uh, of course, this is... As I've said nine million times already, Defending in Numbers, you're listening on Deezer, where you can also find loads more great podcasts, Premier League commentary and football playlists. So download the app or visit www.visa.com. You don't want to visit visa.com unless, of course, you're going to the Russian World Cup. Yeah. That, is, that the, is that the website for Visa? Uh, probably, no? Probably. 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 <laughs> probably. <laughs> while, while we all book our visas for summer, we're going to the first section, Week by Numbers. The week by numbers. Smooth first transition of 2018. Started it out. Let's like talk it. about Virgil van Dyke and the Oof. number £75 million. Pounds. Mm. The world record fee for a defender overtaking wow. your Mendes, overtaking mm. your Carl Walkers, overtaking probably your Thomas Repkes. Wow. Filling that hole in the Liverpool defence that's been there for about 10 years now or something. <laughs> uh, people are saying, is it value? Is he going to make a difference there? Or is it just a horrifically overpriced signing in the Premier League? But what I'll come to you. Uh, it's hard to say. I think on paper he's got all the attributes. He's strong, he's assured, he's composed. And obviously that's something Liverpool have been lacking in defence. Uh, he's not made a single error leading to a goal in his Premier League career so far, which you can't say the same for Lovren and, and Matip and Klavan either. They, they all made mistakes leading to goals last season. Are you lying to me? Isn't there that video of him getting nutmegged by... Mate, Harry I'm just, Kane. I'm just saying a quinta opta, an actual mistake <laughs> that's led to a goal. I'm just doing my stats based on the uh, the perfect source there. Um, but yeah, I think he is a very good defender. Um, I just wonder if he's going to solve all of the issues. I mean, Simon Mignolet's still in goal for Liverpool. Um, you know, there's there's certain inexperience in the fullback positions, which could lead to errors themselves. And Klopp's system with the high pressing, uh, you know, the high defensive line as well, it does expose the centre back. So it'd be interesting to see how Van Dyke copes in that system. Um, but I don't think anyone can argue that it's overpriced. They should have got him six months ago in the summer. If they'd have handled that whole situation better then, they probably would have got him for cheaper as well. So you've got to question the uh, the transfer management, I'd say. Yeah, Nick, it was a pretty rubbish piece of tapping up, wasn't it? <laughs> it was it was the worst tapping up ever. Oh. And and the the hypocrisy of Liverpool fans crying about Coutinho and the admittedly very <laughs> annoying Barcelona approach to yeah. transfers. Uh, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I know that it's, it's, it triggers me every time I see Xavi give an interview saying that X and X player is a legend. I'm just like, you know what you're doing, Xavi. Don't, don't do that. Um, I think it's a really interesting move because Liverpool have basically committed to Klopp here 
because they've bought Naby Keita, who'll be joining next season. They've bought Virgil van Dijk. And it very much looks like piece by piece, they're starting to assemble a really, really good team. They're building for the future here. They've got one of the youngest squads in the league, third youngest squad in the league. Their 21 to 25 year old sort of block of players get them get more minutes than any other block in the squad. So they're playing a lot of young players um, who have quite a lot of experience, actually. Virgil van Dijk is sort of a perfect Klopp defender. He's everything that kind of Klopp wanted from Sacco, but without the attitude. Um, and also, he's ridiculously fresh. Van Dijk has barely played any football. Mm. He was injured tail end of last season. He's just not been at the races this season at all. He's not. He's he's barely kicked a kicked a ball properly all season. That's so how you increase your value. That's mm. how you increase your value. Um, so it's <laughs> obvious the deal was done in the summer. But Southampton said, "Look, can we hold on to him for six months or something like that?" I, d- I don't know what exactly happened, but I think this is a really good move by Liverpool. And the seventy-five million—that's just where the market is. Mm. You know, Liverpool have had money to spend for quite a while. Um, they're probably going to get 130 million plus for say, Coutinho. It's almost like there's more coming in from somewhere. Oh, strange, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of the of the top of the big six, the now big six, um, only Spurs have a like uh, um, a lower net spend over the past few years of about two million. But Spurs are trying to fund a stadium, so Liverpool have a bit of have a bit of money to spend here, and they've been saving it for the right occasion. Naby Keita and Virgil Van Dijk is pretty much as good as you can get for a club like Liverpool in the situation that they're in. Now I'm just gonna. Throw something out there, right? 75 million quid. Would that not be better spent on good scouts that don't just go to Southampton games? Yeah, uh, a 30 million pound goalkeeper that isn't Simon Mignolet <laughs> and a 45 million pound centre back, which I imagine if you do a decent bit of scouting, a bit of fishing about, yeah, put your rod in some waters that aren't just on the south coast. Yeah. I, I would you must be able to a find a, a, a good centre back. Yeah, you would suggest for forty-five that. million quid. I think Nick's right in that that is where the market's at. But I think, as you said, there's no reason why. Well, I'm surprised that at least there weren't these options considered or found by the scouting department. I mean, you look at someone like say Davinson Sanchez, who signed for Spurs this summer, forty odd million, which is obviously a lot of money in itself. But he's only twenty-one, I think, maybe even younger than that. He's, he's mm. someone who's going to you know be at the top level for many years. Does that represent better, better value than Van Dijk? Probably. And as you say, could they have spent that extra fame in they would have had if they found someone like Sanchez on a goalkeeper? I think that would have been more shrewd transfer dealing. But at the same time, as Nick says, it is, it's a very strong signing at this point in the season in January yeah. as Liverpool push for a consecutive top four finish. Guardiola, sorry to interrupt, Guardiola wanted Van Dijk. Mm. And in term, as a proposition, Man City are pretty enticing to go to as a player right now. Davinson Sanchez has been probably Spurs's best defender this season he's been absolutely brilliant but that was a bit of a punt like, yeah. it was quite an expensive punt 37 million their transfer record nobody would have nobody would have been surprised if it had taken him a year to settle in he's mm. just happened to settle in quite quickly that's just where the market is Van Dijk's much more established than Davinson Sanchez was mm. alright well talking about defences leaky defences oh, and teams in need of a decent defender let's move on to Stoke and their goal difference of minus 24 which is the worst in the division. Mark Hughes wow. basically appears to win. You know how every manager has the game to save his job? Yeah. He'll win that and then lose the next four. Yeah. And that seems to be the wave he's been riding up in Staffordshire for the last uh, year or so. I think yeah. he's... <laughs> There's no be. waves in Staffordshire. <laughs> <laughs> the metaphorical waves, yeah. Yeah. The, he must be a dead man walking now, right? Uh, it's hard to see. It's difficult. I think, as you sort of said there, they're in this like weird like Premier League purgatory where they finished nine free seasons in a row. They finished 13th last year and his fourth season in charge. 
it certainly doesn't seem to be taking them forward when you look at that. But, you know, obviously we're talking about all the defensive stats here. We've got, they've conceded the most goals in Europe's top five leagues, 47. They've got the joint third worst goal difference in Europe's top five leagues at minus 24. Uh, and six points from 11 away games there, joint fewest with West Brom and Crystal Palace. I think uh, it's hard to see Mark Hughes not going now, but at the same time, you know, we spoke a few weeks ago when I was on the podcast about ma the managerial merry-go-round, you know, the likes of Hodgson and Allardyce. Okay, they're not the most inspiring appointments, but they can be effective. At this point now, all those names have gone to other clubs and what option does Stoke have, really? If they do sack Hughes, who can they bring in? The likes of Mancini, uh, Ronald Koeman, Steve McLaren have been linked to the job, but are they really going to be the men to sort out this defence? Slavin Bilic. Yeah, big Slavin. <laughs> is, is Slavin Bilic going to be the man to sort out Stoke's league of defence? Probably well, not. he did wonders at West Ham. They're still, they're, I mean, they're in the bottom three now, um, but they're only five points behind Watford, who are in 10th. So at the bottom of the table, things are quite tight, so all is not lost for Stoke. Mm. But do they stick, do they twist? It's hard to say. One, one thing that before the season started, I was predicting Stoke to go down. I thought they were wild chats to go down. And then when the season started and they played quite well, I was like, oh, I've made a... I've Made a massive mistake. Here. <laughs> Sorry, I wish I'd stuck to my guns here. There's, there's two things about Hughes which I think would really worry me if I was a Stoke fan is that he buys really badly. He buys really, really badly. He's bought volatile players, um, mm. kind of in his own image, uh, real like troublemakers, inconsistent players that don't really fit into the squad. He doesn't really buy like appeasing players like Tony Pulis did, guys who want to get on board and do the job. And also, he really doesn't improve players. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think of some of the players that he's bought, I mean, um, his in terms of most expensive, uh, Imbula, Vimmer, Shakiri, even Allen and Berahino, they haven't stepped up at all since he's purchased them. And these are players that, especially someone like Berahino, you'd expect someone like Mark Hughes to really improve him as a striker. Kind of go, look, settle down. You know, you had a terrible time mm. uh, at West Brom, but let's just focus on you getting goals. He hasn't improved any of them. And if I'm a Stoke fan, I'm thinking, this, this, all the players are getting worse. And the decline <laughs> of Ryan Shawcross under Mark Hughes is probably the least spoken about story in Premier League. Yeah. Destined Shaw for such great things with those twinkle toes, wasn't he? I mean, mm. you know, Ryan Shawcross was one of the most effective defenders in the league under Tony Pulis. He's he's absolute shadow of his former self now. And if, if I was a Stoke fan, I'd be saying, you know, the guy's got to go. You need someone effective in the short term, which might be Billich, who's got a great short-term record in terms of like his first six months at every club. Mm. If only Guardiola had had Shawcross, he'd be like Sterling this season. <laughs> no doubt. There's no doubt. He'd just do that thing where he tells him to stand sideways and stand yeah, front yeah. on. <laughs> he does the same thing every play. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all it is. Yeah. Honestly, lads, I've completed football. It's fine. <laughs> Let's move on to the next number. That's number seven. That's out of the 24 players used by Man United so far, Seven were signed by Jose Mourinho, more than any other previous Man United manager. So Louis van Gaal had six, Alex Ferguson had five. There were four academy graduates and then two from old Moiseola. Who are the two, so, from, who are the two from Moise? Fellaini and... Yeah, young? No. Uh, no, Young's been there for Fellaini years and Ferguson by... Uh, ooh. Ooh. Herrera? Little, little teaser for everyone at home. It might be Herrera. No, Matter. Didn't Matter, matter go for 38 yeah, million? Yeah, matter was right. Yes. Knowledge, basic, knowledge from basic research. So those, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just so, we looked into that before I asked the question. So, I so <laughs> those seven, uh, seven Mourinho players: Eric Bailly, Victor mm -hmm. Lindelof, uh, Matic, Pogba, Mkhitaryan, Lukaku, Ibrahimovic. Basically, Man United coming under a lot of flack, and mm. the best players this year are, are almost it seems like the ones that have been there before. Pogba, obviously, 
Sometimes he looks like he's worth his value and then sometimes he doesn't. I guess that depends mm. on his match fitness. But mm. they're being rescued this season by Ashley Young and Jesse Lingard. Mm. Messi Lingard. Yeah. Messi Lingard. As Manchester United fans are calling him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's been absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Jesse Lingard is a classic example of that sort of player that's sort of a six out of ten so often and then just jumps up <laughs> yeah. suddenly. And everyone's like, what the hell's going on here? Ferguson actually predicted it. He said that... Come, come 24 years old, this guy might be a real, real player. Um, I mean, Mourinho's been unlucky in terms of his the players he's brought in. Eric Bailly's been injured. He's been absolutely quality. Mm. Victor Lindelof looks terrified all the time. Um, Nemanja Matic um, started really well and has obviously gotten tired while Pogba got injured. Pogba got injured, and I think if Pogba has one weakness, it seems it takes him ages to get match fit again. Um, he seems to need at least three or four games to get back to his level. I mean, in the second half the other day, he was absolutely ridiculous against Everton. Mm. He was taking the piss out there at times. Uh, McTierian, who knows? Uh, Lukaku <laughs> gone off the boil. Ibrahimovic injured. And uh, I think this 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 speaks to a wider point and one that, you know, I don't, I don't agree with Gary Neville on his rant about you've got to back Mourinho, you've got to back Mourinho. Mm. United and City have spent virtually the same amount of same colossal amount of money over the past few years, just that City are willing to work with more people than just Jorge Mendes. Mm. Like, Lindelof, there's no way Guardiola's buying Victor Lindelof, but obviously he's playing in Portugal, he's got ties with Jorge Mendes and that sort of, put those um, that network of Portuguese super agents, so Mourinho's going there. The reason Mourinho wants more money, you know, uh, in the January transfer market is to sort of cover up the fact that he spent way too much on players that have just been nudged towards him by by mates of his in the football industry. Guardiola and City are not making the same mistakes. He's got um, Chiki Beristan in, uh, in charge as director of football. Hence, they've made much better transfer deals. Sane, Gabriel Jesus, mm. even John Stones looks good value now if you look at Virgil van Dijk at 75 million. Just... Just widen your horizons a bit and don't play into the into the game so much. So, Mourinho is. I'm looking at these seven players, and other than Mctarian, mm-hmm. they're all giants as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, loves, he loves his uh, his players over six foot, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, is that his transfer strategy? He just buys them if they're over six foot, apparently. But I think we're getting a transfer, mate. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I could sign. We could sign. Yeah, we could a little six foot uh, midget like me is getting nowhere. That's <laughs> right. Um, so I'll go and be. I'll go and get told to stand sideways at Pep's. It's funny that I think, you know, Nick's 100% right there in that, you know, we talked about the transfer strategy and, and the issues maybe Liverpool have had there or the criticisms we could we could level at them. You know, for Manchester United, as Nick says, they're, they're basically putting all their faith in these scouts to define their, their transfer policy, whereas Manchester City have had a much more, much more coherent strategy over a number of years, bringing in the players that Nick mentions there before Guardiola came. Um, and again, it does make you question Manchester United's overall strategy as a club over the number of years where they're where they're actually going because it all does seem very short term at the moment um, but as for Mourinho I mean it's hard to it's hard to feel sorry for him he doesn't make it easy to to love him he came out again a few weeks ago was as Nick says complaining about the, the resources he had you know with his tiny violin uh, he's picking <laughs> fights with players ex-players all this sort of stuff so you know, it's hard to feel too sorry for Mourinho and it um, doesn't make it easy to, uh, to like him, unfortunately. Very good with Scalzi, isn't he? Yeah, Very I mean, also, like, Paul's, everyone seems to say, oh, Paul Scholes is too critical. It's literally his job. If you're a pundit... <laughs> yeah, they have to, yeah, they have to do that. You I know, understand why, yeah. you know, and Paul Scholes just has very high standards, so if you're going to impress mm. him, you've got to impress him. And he was totally right about Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba was off the boil since coming back from injury, but I'm convinced it's just a match fitness thing, and Scholes doesn't really appreciate that because he thinks all modern players are soft. Just on a wider point on Mourinho, he's averaging 2.14 points per game this season, which is about on par with his career average of 2.2, so we're about in Mourinho's yeah. zone. He's peaked at about 2.5 when he was 
um, 2004-2005 with Chelsea. So mm. we're about par. It's just the City is so ridiculous yeah. this year that he's, he's looking average. Everyone, yeah, everyone's having a meltdown, basically, aren't they? Because uh, what, what can you do? I mean... He doesn't look like he enjoys football No, anymore. I mean, it's frustrating when Mourinho just seems to blame everyone apart from himself. Mm. And I think as time goes on, the, the tactics he employs in that sense become more transparent and... Uh, more annoying basically <laughs> uh, but yeah I mean this is like Mourinho's third season syndrome in the second season again mm. so it's probably only going to end one way um, within the next season or so and that's we'll be Mourinho moving on do you think he just sits there and watches Goodwill Hunting all night that's scene where it's, it's not your it's fault it's not your fault yeah it's he really takes fault. that to heart it's he not really, your I fault. think he does yeah he's got a tattoo of Robin yeah. Williams just like <laughs> on the inside of his arm looks at it every yeah. now and again <laughs> I think he does, yeah. I think that's the only explanation. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the number 206. And that's the number of days since Diego Costa's last competitive game. Uh, his, his deal at Atletico Madrid's gone through. Looks like he might be playing in the Copa del Rey tonight. Yeah. Could it finally be over? Is that going to kind of give Atletico a bit of a kick up the backside? Because I don't think they had the best start to the season. They're not losing, which is something no. we know that Diego Simeone's side don't do. But they certainly haven't been free scoring and yeah. roaring and never boring they are second in the league as it stands but yeah. they are the lowest scorers in the top four um, they've scored 25 goals altogether that's 20 fewer than Barcelona so I think Diego Costa coming in does add that dimension in attack if they've got any hope of overhauling the Catalans you know, they're nine points ahead now they need someone like Costa there to uh, to bring the goals it's, it's an interesting situation I think it's great for Atletico despite the, the transfer fee which I think is 60, 60 odd million um, but yeah you do have to question again Conte and Chelsea because Conte himself says that you know Alvaro Morata is fatigued he's struggling with the demands of constant non-stop football in the Premier mm. League could they have done with Diego Costa in these six months before January they still could have sold him then perhaps if Conte had handled the situation differently he would have been able to integrate him in the squad um, I mean they're not doing too badly they're still pushing Manchester United for the putting the pressure on trophy I think you should call it as Spurs have <laughs> won last year very, very prestigious honour um, but I think yeah. it's one thing putting the pressure on Leicester and another thing putting the pressure yeah. on Man City. <laughs> on Man City, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. But um, yeah, you know, maybe they could have been slightly better off if Diego Costa had been in the squad. So um, yeah, you have to question Conte's management there, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's really it's really odd because yesterday Conte said that David Luiz and Michi Batshuayi were free to leave in January. I mean, talk about not trusting your backup striker. Yeah. Michi Batshuayi is a decent player. All right, he's not Alvaro Morata. He's not Diego Costa. I mean, but... He's a good player and he's he has scored goals for Chelsea. He offers interesting movement, he offers something a little bit different. Mm. And letting David Luiz go, I mean, I find that very confusing. He's another one he's fallen out with. Yeah. Very odd. If I was Arsene Wenger, I'd be absolutely all over that because Arsenal need a centre-back. He'd probably get him for cheap and he's exactly the sort of character that Arsene Wenger loves. He's a bit, he's a bit troubled, a bit, of a bit of a loose cannon, but Wenger's not notoriously good with that sort of character. A cost of sixty million pounds. I, I think this is this, this is one of the <laughs> Crazy, yeah. bonk, most bonkers transfers I've seen in a long time. He's. I get what Diego Simeone is trying to do. He he knows they're a low scoring team because Griezmann's been a bit off the boil this season because mm. he's probably going to Barcelona next summer mm. uh, mm. to join it with Coutinho. And he's doing some great work on social media by all accounts. He do, he does Squeaky some cleans, great work. <laughs> great work. That was highly disappointing. Um, Happy Christmas PRT. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> just 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 just. Just pick a white basketball player. How hard, like you know? Just go to the party. Just be Larry, Larry Bird. Bird. Yeah. Why? This is, what are you doing? Um, sorry, that's that's throwing me right off. Uh, but I mean, a cost over his career: 133 goals in 318 games. But similarly, 101 yellow cards. He he's someone who gets frequently banned 
a lot. He's got, and he's also gotten away with murder in the Premier League. He's somehow never gotten a, a straight red card in the um, in the Premier League. He, you know, there was a couple of retroactive bans, but he's the sort of player like a bit like Luis Suarez. But with Suarez, he was scoring thirty five goals a season. So you're like, well, I can accept him getting mm. suspended for eight games. Uh, obviously, for different Diego Costa's getting suspended for different reasons to mm. Luis Suarez, which we're not going to get into. Um, but I just, I just, yeah. I just don't get it. Like he's twenty nine. He hasn't played in ages. Yeah. Um, he's always a disruptive force. You know, he says initially he's happy, but he might, you know, he might get very like disappointed very quickly if he doesn't get the games that he wants. And Kevin Gamero is the starter again, so I don't get this from Atletico. I have to say, mm. I think it's a bit of a waste of money. They're obviously yeah. hoping he rediscovers that touch where he scored 27 goals in his final season at Atletico Madrid. But as Nick says, he's now 29. Is he really going to be able to do that? Mm. Well, but just last season when Chelsea went on that run, that was you know, didn't that go? On, they went on the 13 game streak, 13, didn't they? Yeah, Spurs ended, and it. that was sort of inspired by Costa getting lots of one 0 wins. Wasn't I, it? I have to, I have to say, I think Diego Costa. There's this thing right in the media where certain players' goals get reported more than other players' goals. Mm. And Diego Costa is one of those players that everyone seems to think he scores 25 goals a season, but he doesn't. He's only scored more than 20 goals in a single season once in his career. He's not like a monster goal scorer. He's got a goal scoring average of less than one every two games. But because he's because he's a hard man and he's a character and he's a bit of a bully, everyone seems to think that he's he's world class. He's not. Forget he's just it. a handful. Put him on the scrappy. <laughs> Get rid of him. Uh, who, who do you think is going to replace him? Because obviously, Batshuayi sort of replaced him. No, Marat sort of. Well, whatever. I mean, they're basically, if they're selling Batshuayi, they only have one left. So who's going there as the backup striker at Chelsea? Uh, it's hard to see who they can sign okay. in January. But it's hard to see. Who, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. Uh, it's hard to see who they could sign in January, I think, to replace Batshuayi, which makes it... Uh, which makes it rather confusing as to why Conte is so openly yeah, looking I, to sell him. It's, it's common sense, surely, to, to try and drive up the fee, not just be like, yeah, yeah you can have them lads for as cheap as you want. Can it's, have, uh, again, can have Diaz Frasaco for 15 million. Don't yeah, want. I mean... <laughs> do you want Diaz Frasaco? I, 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 I can't think if they're going to do better than Batshuayi, to be honest, yeah. as a backup striker. Alvaro Morata's brilliant, right? He's refuted all the naysayers. I mean, what are you going to... What does Conte want? That's kind of what I don't mm. get here. Does he want another Morata? It's not going to happen, mate. Crouchy? Crouchy? I mean, Giroud? That's the thing. They probably look for someone in the summer, surely, to, to bring in. They've been linked with Dries Mertens before mm. uh, from Napoli. Which, uh, does, does that bring us on to the next point, Rob? It does. Yes. Wow. You should get the hosting gig here. Solid. Uh, the next number, which is 13, the number of times in the last 14 seasons the team leading Serie out after 19 wow. games has won the title. Napoli are up there at the top at the moment, but the only team that hasn't won it after 19 games and being on top is Napoli. Wow. So is it going to mm. happen again? Went out of the Coppa Italia on Tuesday night. Uh, but, I mean, really, the Scudetto is the title, for uh, the, the the aim for them this mm. season. People are giving them plaudits all over the place. They're playing great football under Sarri. Are they going to do it again? They're going to go to the, the glory days. Down in Naples. I'm tempted to say this is a different team than the one that set the unwanted stat you sort of set out there. Um, they've been fantastic in, in 2017. Uh, they've got the second best goal difference in Syria with 29. It's the fewest goals conceded from open play in Syria. Only one defeat in their first 19 games. So they've been very impressive. I think they've certainly been one of the most enjoyable teams to watch as one of the most formidable as well. 
Um, you know, their star players are on fires. Dries Mertens, as I mentioned there, um, 10 goals and six assists. Marek Hamsik as well, he just became the club's all-time leading goal scorer, ahead of some guy called Maradona. Um, yeah, but, and I mean, as you say, it's the, it's the, in Italy, they're called the winter champions if you're top at Christmas. Uh, 68% of the teams who have led Serie A at the midway stage have gone on to win it. Uh, 10 of the last 11 Serie A winners were winter champions too, apart from, of course, Napoli in 2015. The thing is, they're only a single point ahead of Juventus, who've been resurgent um, in the in the in the first half of the season. It's hard. My heart says Napoli, of course, but the head says Juventus because of the resources they've got. Obviously, they've got Gonzalo Higuain, who was the man who sort of fired Napoli to that title challenge a couple of years ago. And um, they've got Paolo Dybala as well, who you know they've managed to rotate. He hasn't started a game since the first of December when they beat Napoli. He came off the bench last week to to score two against Verona to get them a win there. So I think they've got the depth that Napoli don't have. Napoli have a fantastic mm. starting team, but can they add someone in January? Can they add depth to their squad there? Maybe that will make the difference. But as it stands, you put your money on Juventus, surely. Is it a sixth successive Scudetto they're going for now? Yeah. Which seems yeah, ridiculous. Six successive. Sort of what, check that every time I say it. But. What kind of money do they have? Not Napoli? a huge amount. What That's bus? the thing. Yeah. And it's probably this is probably the last year that Napoli have those those key talents all together. Koulibaly, Insigne, mm. Mertens, Hamsik. This is probably the last year that they can cash in on some of them because Mertens is 30, Hamsik I think is 28 now, Insigne's yeah. getting to his getting to his peak. Hamsik's only 28. <clears throat> Yeah, he's not. He's not. He's just been at Napoli for absolutely ages. God, um, so it's probably the last year that these this group have got together. Um, and I think I totally agree with Adam's point. The the problem is squad depth. You saw mm. they rotated a bit against Atalanta, but still started Hamzik and Mertens, and they they looked leggy against Atalanta. They looked absolutely knackered, yeah. and and they lost. Atalanta really energetic team, caused a lot of problems as we saw against Everton, and. Um, <clears throat> I can see Juventus just turning the screw, just doing exactly yeah. what Man United used to do in the um, uh, in the late nineties, uh, early noughties, when they when they were in charge of a title challenge, just just turn the screw and just make it impossible for other teams to get back into the title race. When's the winter break? There, they just had it. Uh, they've been playing throughout December, so I think yeah, it's now it's, it's the first break. time the Serie A hasn't had a winter break. Oh, wow! It doesn't have one at all. It doesn't have one at all for the first time. First time in I think fifty years or something. I'm interesting to see how that affects it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, exactly, it really doesn't play into Napoli's hands. Um, yeah. <laughs> Depressing, yeah. yeah. Like I say, you want to say Napoli are going to win it, don't you? Yeah. Like we're saying, they're, they're a better team than they were two years ago. But um, yeah, I think the odds are stacked against them in a way. Yeah. I reckon Juventus are bringing anyone in just to extra. Extra resource. Uh, not sure they need anyone. Apparently, they're trying to sign Emre Chan. Oh, Emre Chan, yeah, they're saying it's good as done, aren't they? Yeah, but I mean, he won't go into the summer, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't say they necessarily need anyone to compete in Serie A. I think um, you would put them, your money on them. And, you know, maybe they need someone to be Spurs in the Champions League. They need a little bit of strength in there. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is going to be a hell of a game. They're, they're fine. Yeah, 1 yeah, 0. Juventus. Yeah. Spurs. <laughs> Over the two legs. <laughs> Goal scored in the fifth minute of the first leg. <laughs> All right, let's move on to I'm embarrassed to ask. I'm embarrassed to ask. So Leicester had a debutante, just like you, Nick, today. You're a debutante. I'm a debutante, You have yeah. so much in common with Adrian Silva. So much. For Leicester. He came on against Huddersfield, uh, despite the fact that I think he signed for him six months ago. Or yeah. not six months, four months ago, whatever it was, at the end of the transfer window. But he's been trained with them. 
He's not been in. I think he came from Sporting Club de Portugal. Yes, what you got to call him? Not Sporting Lisbon. Not Sporting Lisbon. No. Or sporting CP if you're down with the kids. Exactly. Yeah, that's the, that's the lingo. If you're going to yeah. tag it up a wall somewhere yeah. with graffiti paint, spray paint, whatever they call it, <laughs> the kids, <laughs> the kids out there. Uh, what am I talking about? Okay, yeah, Adrian Silver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So basically, they signed him like four months ago, didn't they? Yeah. But he's been training. Yes. But he's not playing. Yes. What happened? So, Talk to me. So basically, when you when you finalise a transfer, there's this very strange sort of semi-fact sort of online weird. CMS system, like content management system, Ooh, which God. which FIFA used to like um, basically register transfers. And Leicester did it 14 seconds late. That was it. <sighs> they were 14 seconds late. But the, the great sacked for that. everyone was really annoyed about it because Adrian Silva was brought in to replace Danny Drinkwater. <laughs> now um, Claude Puel has come in uh, after Craig Shakespeare and actually done a really good job of just mm. getting Leicester back to basics. Um, and uh, Jamie Vardy's form hasn't suffered without Danny Drinkwater. Um, but now Adrian Silva's here. He's a really accomplished partial of the ball. Um, he'll be a great partner. God, you are going Dutch, aren't you? A partial of, 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 of the ball. Yeah, yeah, I do that sometimes. <laughs> uh, and he's, he's a good foil for Ndidi. Um, and what I love most about him is that his usual 23 shirt number wasn't available. So what shirt number did he go for? 14, which was the number of seconds oh, the transfer yes. was delayed by. Which is one of my favourite things ever. Spiteful. <laughs> Spiteful. So good. Squad numbering. So good. Oh, that's nice. But what do you know about man like Silver? Probably about as much as you, Rob. Um, which is the same <laughs> and, that's, and that's why they brought you on. <laughs> no, I think, as Nick said, I think he's, you know, obviously it's a pretty catastrophic error not to have him in that first half of the season. Obviously they've survived without him. 14 seconds, hard to uh, yeah, hard to swallow, I'm sure, for, for Leicester. But now he's in the second half of the season. Claude Pearl has improved them so much um, and turned them into a really formidable side that you know it can only be a, a huge bonus for them to have him now in that second half of the season. I'm reading here that he's a bit of a, a penalty specialist. Is he, the, is he the Portuguese Mark Noble? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, 25, out of 20, <laughs> 25 out of 29 ain't bad, but um, I think Vardy will be, will be difficult to take the pens off Vardy, to be honest. El Noblo. El Noblo. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what they call him? Wow, it's incredible. I'll tell you what, I Brad, reckon. you know Brad Guzan? Yeah, we all yeah, know Brad Guzan. This, this is a total, this is a total tangent. Brad. I'm going to text him straight after this. Brad Guzan, right, get him on the blower. He used to play for Chivas USA when the MLS just started. And yeah. obviously that that's a team with the, like a very large uh, like sort of American-Hispanic following. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Bimbo is a sponsor. Yeah. yeah. And Which is knowledge. Bread. More and knowledge. Brad Guzan's nickname was El Guzano. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Imaginative, I love it. El, El Noblo and El Gazzano, get them in the same team, and what a team it would be! Right, let's move on to probably what everyone's saying at the moment. <laughs> Who's this fella? It's it's El Noblo. No, it's El Gazzano. Who's this fella? Everton have been dipping their toes in the market already. <sighs> Aladici has gone for El Tosuno slash El Chenko slash Chenk Tosun. All oh, right, right. Yeah. Talk to me about this geezer. So he's from Besiktas, 25 million euros. I've got, I'm doing a a, a very small amount on my hands here. This is, I've got my my thumb and forefinger. This is how much knowledge I've got about Cenk Tosun. Let me reel off some stats from the paper in front of me, Rob. See if you're impressed. (laughs) 41 goals in 96 league games for Besiktas. Yeah? I'm impressed. Four goals and two assists in the Champions League 2017-18 group stage. Wow. 
Okay, no, sorry, guys. Uh, eight goals and one assist in 16 appearances in the Turkish Super League this season. He deserves a medal. <laughs> well, uh, he's. Uh, I think he's a good striker. I think, obviously, you know, this is something that you know many people have pointed out over the summer. Everton didn't play from Lukaku. They put all of their eggs in the Giroud basket. It didn't work out for Ronald Koeman. Um, they need reinforcements up front. That's something Koeman and now Allardyce have sort of uh, sort of echoed. Now he's at Everton. It does feel like Steve Walsh's job is resting on this transfer. He was brought in from Leicester to oversee the the transfer strategy at Everton after signing players like Riyad Mahrez at Leicester. Um, I think and Danny Simpson. Yeah. I think it's fair to say the results were mixed in the summer for Everton. Um, not sounding striker, obviously a huge oversight. But Tosun, I think, is a, is a decent striker. He's got 20 goals in 33 league games last season. That was his sort of breakthrough season um, at Besiktas. I think he has all the ingredients to be a success in the Premier League. I think Steve Walsh is going to have his fingers crossed that uh, it does work out. What happened to that Spanish geese that Everton signed? Sandro. Yeah. yeah. Sandro <laughs> Ramirez. Um, he's just not very good. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> he never was rubbish. that good. He's not scored many goals and they, they took a wild punt on him. He's only and five, five million there. So. Yeah. Oh. So just, just not the most they, needed, just they needed a striker, so they got a striker. He doesn't fit the, the system at all. Uh, yeah. I, I live in northeast London. Um, and the heavily Turkish... The richest, <laughs> nicest part of a huge You've not heard my voice. Um, uh, heavily, in a heavily Turkish area. And I'll tell you what, my barber is really unhappy about this. He's livid. Well, he's really? leaving Besiktas. That Senk Tosun is even being linked away. He was... He was he rates him that he was, he was doing my, my short back and sides. Five on the sides, a bit longer on top. Thanks for asking. Yeah. And he was like, do you know Senk Tosun? <laughs> um, he's He's furious. Yeah, he's absolutely livid because he's he's not only their talisman. He does he does everything for them. He wins the ball in the air. Right. He holds it up brilliantly. Uh, he's really really technical. He's a great finisher. Um, he's basically the only reason they've qualified for uh, the last sixteen in the Champions League. Besiktas, like are the fans are absolutely crazy. Right, they're known for having this absolutely <laughs> crazy fan base. They're so passionate, and they're looking forward to this last sixteen game against Bayern Munich. And now. They, they, th- they really thought they had a chance. They mm. really, really did think they have a chance. And without Sanctosin, so though, they, they're they're a shadow of the team that they are. He's he's been absolutely electric for them. Uh, Turkish strikers in the Premier League, not a great record in the not past. A storied history, yeah. not a storied history. But um, I mean, I'd really like to see him at Everton, um, especially you know playing alongside someone like Wayne Rooney mm. uh, who can be like look this is how things work in the Premier League this is what the runs you need to make um, and he could be in his, really, in his best Turkish in course. his best Turkish of course <laughs> Wayne a man of a, a real lingua glot <laughs> Wayne Rooney is that a word? <laughs> yeah sorry, no, it's like, polyglot it's so smart it's Rob. polyglot I didn't, didn't, didn't realise is it polyglot? polyglot yeah, yeah I knew it's not it's lingua glots <laughs> I thought it was lingua glot like Harry Potter polyglot well there we go <laughs> Defending in words, everybody. <laughs> I'm more interested in your barber. I was just distracted. Yeah. Did it, when, when you told him about I that, did he, did he, you know, the stick I made... didn't tell him. He told me, yeah. which is why when, when you know, uh, we're doing who this, who's this fella, Sanctos, and I'm like, oh, my God, Hass, Hass is going to be livid about gonna this. Are going to hit up Hass when we get out? Yeah, definitely. If I need some Turkish football knowledge, mate, I'm going to, to this barber. Do it. Yeah. Uh, how, how aggressively did he burn the hair out of your ears? <laughs> really did aggressively. He, did he leave it in there? <laughs> I think it's a really good move. Yeah, just uh, get sticking in there. <laughs> really going for it. <laughs> All right, then. Let's move on to Stats Showdown, where we're going to talk about haircuts a little bit more. 
Stat Showdown. All right, then. Crunch time. Mm. Or clutch, as I believe the kids talk. Is that what they say? Yeah, in America. Clutch, maybe. Is that a thing? Yeah, in the States. Clutch. Yeah. Clutch Clutch moments. There we go. Let's get that trending (laughs) on Bebo. I'm not even old. I don't, I don't know why I'm yeah. pretending to be an old man. What's I think a chair. I've never heard of it. <laughs> I'm in a very relaxed chair. All oh, right. Yeah. Makes gives sense. me a sort of feeling of seniority. Mm. Misplaced. Let's talk about some stats, shall we? Yeah. Let's. Of course, this isn't defending in seniority. Uh, Nick, you're a debutant. Yeah. Best two out of three. Right. In a, in a competition to impress me with yeah. impress me stats. Yeah. Kind of flirty stats that I can go up to someone. Uh, some random bloke who's watching football at the bar and be like, hey, hey. do you know what? Tuntai Stanley <laughs> is the most successful Turkish striker in Premier League history. Is he? Maybe. For now, until Elchenko takes over. Elchenko slash El Tusano takes over. So, given that you're here and it's your first time, yeah. I'm going to give you the first go. I appreciate that. And I've, I've been listening to previous episodes of Defending a Number, so I've, I've gotten a bit of the lay of the land of the sort Sorry. of stat that you on like. On Deezer, by the way. Yeah, yeah. you can go. On Deezer. Download Love the app. Love Deezer. Or Deezer.com. So, obviously, it was tempting to go really, really statty, because I used to work for Squawker and really, like, you know, get the expected goals, expected assists, or something like that. Oh, but yeah. I found something I think you like. It's about Napoli. We were talking about them earlier. Ooh. So, Hamzik broke the record for the... Highest scoring Napoli player of all time. I'm so happy for him. Right. Incredible coincidences, though, with his goal against Crotone. <sighs> it was his 117th goal for Napoli, scored in the 17th minute of the match, which was the last game of 2017. Hamzik's shirt number is number 17. But what sort of puts a bow on it is that 17 is an unlucky number in Italy. Boom. I mean, I'm not sure of the relevance of the unlucky number bit, but... It's just I like, I like just lots of 17s. Yeah. Hamzik after the game declared 17 is no longer an unlucky number. Is that a national thing? It's a national thing in Italy. 17 is an unlucky number. Right, yeah. but not anymore because Hamzik came along. I, I don't know. We're waiting for the government to, <laughs> to sign the documents. A Slovakian oh, man came to Naples and said, fear not the number 17. For I am Hamzik. <laughs> and I have annulled it. Do you think there's an opening here for me to get a point here to shoot that down I've read there's always an opening alright um, basically uh, I may have only I may have only got one good stat and I may have forgotten about the other two and I may have researched it on the tube on the way over You're, I may have done that I, I mean, don't this, know. this is why we pay you the big bucks <laughs> so let me blow your mind Rob when you're going up to your mate in the pub as you said there he's not a mate I'm flirting with him oh sorry when you're flirting with a bloke in a pub and he's like oh Roy Hodgson's rubbish blah 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 you can say to him that under Roy Hodgson, Crystal Palace, Rob, have <laughs> Crystal Palace have won eleven points from losing positions so far this season, Rob. Only Everton have won more. Hodgson, genius, football legend. Um I'm exhausted just listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I really I do struggle in this section, Rob. You know this. I've got a good one coming up. That's all I'll say. Struggle with most of them. Yeah. You haven't won that point. Have I not? No. Was it really that much worse that the coincidences over it? Yeah, think of yeah, the fun. Yeah, no, you're, think, right, you're right. Think of the fun Captain we had with the number seventeen. I tried to put it. You've given me no, Roy Hodgson and some points Roy that Hodgson aren't as good quite... as Everton. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Actually, I thought it was going to be they've won the most points from losing positions, but as I read it, I was like, oh, actually, as you, as you scroll more. down up to square, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> Mate, that's why they pay me the big bucks. Uh, 
<laughs> All right, then. This is it's your go again. Go and scroll down to the next tweet. <laughs> All right, this one I'm going to make Try up. Try and miss out the head. bit where they go class at the end. Um, we were talking about Virgil van Dijk earlier, and, you know, I was thinking, obviously, uh, good with the ball at his feet. Uh, passing and all that and I was thinking who's got the best pass accuracy in the Premier League do you know who it is Rob uh, a defender it's John Stones with 96.5% pass accuracy which seems very high he's made 919 passes which means he's only misplaced 33 passes this season that's not a lot of passes it's not a lot of passes but I... not a lot of passes is how <laughs> yeah. you sum up that I feel like you know, we, we were trying to reassure Boltwood earlier. Doors are made to be opened. You know, no, doors no, are wide open. It's not a door if it's shut forever, but I feel like... <laughs> doors have been blown open for Nick, yeah. I feel like Bolton may have turned a shut door into a wall. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I don't know, actually. I don't know, because I, I wanted to do an FA Cup stat, because it's FA Cup weekend, mm. this weekend, and it's going to be awful because there's been so many games of the Christmas period that all the Premier League teams are going to rotate. But I found, I found something quite interesting, which is that... Um, so Arsene Wenger, after he won the FA Cup last season, has won the FA Cup more than any other manager. He overtook a guy called George Ramsey, who's manager of Aston Villa, who's got six. What's, what's, my stat is that the similarities between the two are really, really weird. So Ooh. basically, George Ramsey was in charge of Villa for 42 years. <laughs> 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 More coincidence. Forty-two <laughs> years, right? He controlled everything to do with the club. Like he was—he was basically a tyrant, right? Bit Wenger-like. He was hugely successful initially. He won six first division titles before going on a seventeen-year barren run. <laughs> seventeen years, Incredible. during which he only won the FA Cup, which is exactly what Aston Wenger's done. Rob, tell me honestly, Ast Aston Villa didn't win another title for seventy-two years. That's, that's what that's what Arsenal fans have got to look forward to. It is incredible. It, it, are you really going to go up to your flirty mate in the pub and tell him that, or are you going to tell him that John Stones? I can't even remember what you told me. <laughs> Thirty-three passes. He's only missed. Oh, well, John Stones. Yeah, yeah, it's good. yeah. No, six point five. And he'll put, if I went up to this, if I'm flirting with this geezer in the pub, yeah. <laughs> who's watching football by himself, and I just ruin his day. Yeah. And I just say, hey, guess what? Man City centre back passes more than anyone. Yeah. He'll probably say, well, not, well, yeah, not more than everyone. He's got the best up. pass accuracy, Rob, I feel like Rob looks so disappointed in us. Because mm. I'd argue yours wasn't necessarily a stat, it was a story. I was, that, that's what I was worried about. And then, so obviously you're giving it to me, and I blow you away with this last stat. Yours was... <sighs> Mediocre at best. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's almost I, as if I got it on the I, chin. I like Nick's storytelling. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Let me try and get some dignity back with one. Two nil similarities. Two nil down, Nick. Pounce on him, make it 3-0, give him a whitewash. Well, well, like Adam, I've saved my best till last. <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and it's a total pandering stat as well. No. Anthony Knockart of Brighton and Hove Albion scored the first goal of the new Premier League calendar year. All right, first goal of 2018. Mm -hmm. He is the first player from a Premier League debutante club to do it since West Ham's Tim Breaker did it versus Everton in 1994. <sighs> Okay. Pandering. It's pandering. It's pandering. My you remember Tim Breaker? My, my stat's the opposite of pandering. You ready? Oh, you cut me down. I'm going to get some dignity back here. So, yeah, as you know, Rob, I love Harry Kane more than my own nan. And he that, is, broke... that is Boltwood's only ever successful tweet. <laughs> it's true. He broke the record for Premier League goals scored, as you know, in a calendar year with 39. That included six Premier League hat-tricks, 
as many as every other player in the top flight have managed between them this season. That's not the best bit, Rob. In total, his career Premier League hat-tricks are now eight, Mm -hmm. which is more than West Ham have ever managed in the Premier League as a club. They've only managed six Premier League hat-tricks as a club. Eight to six. That's, that's a great... Harry Kane has scored more hat-tricks than West Ham. Of course he has. And Southampton and Sunderland well, and West Brom and Leicester Andy Car- and Bournemouth. But I thought he'd enjoy the, the West Ham bit more. I mean, uh, who have we had? Andy Carroll. Tony Carr. Marlon Harewood. Wood? Wood. Six hat-tricks in total. Six, that's it in the Premier League. Yeah, no, we're always rubbish. It's not surprising. Well, I thought it Except when Tim Breaker scored in 1994 versus Everton. <laughs> <laughs> he's pandering, he's pandering over it. Don't let Couldn't that be pandering you. more. Don't let that sway you, Rob. Don't let that sway you. <laughs> Harry Kane, West Ham, he scored more. It's incredible. Unbelievable. That is ridiculous, to be fair. Yes, yeah, so even is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is probably slightly more interesting I can't, I than the one ridic- goal in 1994. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you it. Yes. Reluctantly, it. and I don't really know why. But Harry Kane has scored more hat-tricks than a club in the Premier League. Incredible. Yeah, obviously. Because we're always rubbish. Oh, yeah, that's true. Actually. If you play for a good team, you're going to get more chances than a rubbish team is going to get over five years, right? I don't think you're appreciating this stat, Rob. You're not appreciating it correctly. He is ridiculous. I, I actually held back from... I had another Harry Kane stat, but I didn't think it was it was good enough. But he, it's just ridiculous. He's it's like... Ridiculous player, he's Rob. just the funnest player to research ever because he's scored so many he's goals. He's better than West Ham, Rob. By himself. No player is bigger than a club, especially yeah, if they don't right, even yes. play for your club. Yeah, you're right, actually, sorry. And that's that's my final opinion on all this. Harry Kane loving. <laughs> sorry. Where's your where's your on out of it stats? What about Carroll? Who cares, man? He was great. He scored, he was well, great the other day. He was he? he was efficient. He did what yeah. Harry Carroll does, <laughs> basically. He was kind of not playing football for eighty eight minutes and then scored a header in a last minute tap in. But uh What a man. All right then. Well, Nick. <laughs> You're the winner. I'm, I'm very happy about that. Yeah. And if people want to oh, find you on the internet for an onslaught of football statistics and opinion, mm. where can they find you? Uh, at Nick W English. Yeah, um, it's intermittent tweeting mostly about Arsenal. If I'm <laughs> honest, but uh, yeah, you can find me there. And Boltwood, if people want to find you and an onslaught of shameless self-promotion oh. on the internet, where can they find uh, you? You can find me at Adam Boltwood on Twitter or the Front Three Football podcast great podcast and you can find me at Rob Armstrong underscore WH on Twitter and of course you can find this podcast Defending Your Numbers on Deezer where you can also find other football podcasts live Premier League commentary and even football playlists Wow! download the Deezer app or visit Deezer.com and we'll see you next week on Defending in Numbers Defending in Numbers is a Deezer Originals production you can find and download more episodes on Deezer and all major podcast providers 